0: Father, how deep, how wide, how high, how long is your love that you have given us. <clears throat> Lord, we ask that you would use what you say in scripture this morning to help us pay forward, give away some of what you have given to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to say hello to those of you in the narthex. Great to have you with us. Also, just want to uh, remind you that in the Old Testament, when people clapped, it was a way of saying that they agreed With what was being said or what was being sung. So whenever you want to clap, it's not applause for performance. It's a way of saying, we agree with what God is doing. We agree with what is being sung. It's not applause for a performance. Think of it as a Presbyterian amen. (laughs) I want to start the sermon this morning with a bit of an abrupt question. Ever notice how quickly you're aging? I know, what a question on Senior Sunday, right, when you have the comparison, right? Thinking, what a lousy way to start a sermon, Dudley? But really, ever notice how quickly you're aging? Or, if you don't like that question, ever notice how quickly the person next to you is aging? (laughs) See it better there. We've been looking at the life of Joseph as a way of asking the question, how can we be difference makers? How can we make a difference for our friends, our families, our communities? And the reality is we all want that, but we have just one life to do that in. And that life is going by pretty quickly. And at the end of that life, we want to be able to know that we've mattered. That we just didn't just tick off days off the calendar until we died. That we weren't just consumers or resume packers, but that we made a difference. It mattered that we were here. I doubt very seriously that any of our graduating seniors who are helping us in the service today are sitting there thinking, you know, I hope I end up being a cog in a corporate machine. (laughs) Or, man, I really hope I turn out to be a yes man. I don't think any of them are thinking that. They're thinking, I want to be a difference maker. Which is why I think it's hopeful to have them leading us in worship today because it reminds us that A, they already are making a difference and B, they're going to go on and make even more of a difference as they leave from here. And that's something we all want, to be difference makers. Problem is that sometimes, though, we don't think we have the right stuff to be able to make a difference. We think I'm not as holy as Mother Teresa, I'm not as rich as Bill Gates. What can little old me do to make a difference? Or maybe we think, well, I'm too young or I'm too old to make a difference. And all of that is wrong. All of that is wrong. The good news that's revealed to us in Scripture is that God has given all of us tools. Things like money, time, talents. And he says, use these things well, and you will be a difference maker. The biblical word for that is stewardship. And that's one of the things that Joseph was so good at. He was a good steward of everything God had given him all through his life. Let me just review the story. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery, and then he's falsely accused of rape and thrown into prison for 13 years. Then the king of Egypt has a dream. He doesn't understand. So they get Joseph out of prison to interpret the dream. Joseph says, your dream means there's going to be seven years of bumper crops followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh likes that Joseph can interpret dreams. So he makes Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. And Joseph starts storing up food for the famine years. And at each step along the way, Joseph used the tools that God had given him to make a difference. Even when he was in prison even when he was a slave. For example, one of the difference-making tools God has given us is our work. Your job, whether it's being a student or in the workforce or a volunteer, your job is one of the primary areas that God wants you to be making a difference in. That's why he's put you there for such a large percentage of the week, in case you're wondering tomorrow why you're there. That's why you're there. That's why you're there, to make a difference in that place. In this story, Joseph's job is to be prime minister of Egypt. But he sees that as really the the, the avenue through which he is going to be a difference maker. And that's what he tells his brothers in this story, when they're reunited after decades. He says, yeah, you sold me into slavery. That was bad. But God used that to make me prime minister of Egypt and to save thousands of lives by storing up food. Joseph understands that it's God that has put him there. Not good luck, not chance, not because he worked so hard and he deserved it. God put him in that job to be a difference maker there. Every job, no matter what it is, student, homemaker, whatever, every job deals with at least one of four things that are sacred to God. People, time, money, and the fruit of the land. People, time, money, and the fruit of the land and how we steward those things can make a big difference. If we treat our co-workers with love and respect, if we influence decision-makers to make more just and fair decisions, if we locate new businesses in areas of poverty to provide employment, if we do things like that, we are using our jobs to make a difference. I recently heard a businessman tell a story about getting on a plane to come home from a business trip. And for some reason, he was bumped up to first class. He didn't know why never happened to me, but it happened to him. And then the woman behind him wanted to change seats with him, so he did that and set one row back. Then he started to wonder if all this unusual activity meant something. So he prayed, God, if you have an agenda here, if you have something you want to do, well then tell me something about the man sitting next to him, sitting next to me. He figured that was a pretty safe prayer. That, that, that would never get answered, right? But as soon as he prayed it, the words financial services popped into his head. So there he was. He felt kind of committed to God, so decided to take a risk, just stick his neck out. So he said to the man next to him, so I understand you're in financial services. <laughs> kind of freaked the guy out. And he said, how'd you know? And the businessman took another risk and said, God told me. <laughs> now the guy was really freaked out. For the rest of the trip, they had this great conversation about how faith and business can go together and how you can blend the two. Now, the guy that he talked to didn't become a Christian or anything like that, but I don't know. He's probably at least a little bit curious, right? What's going on here with this God stuff? Businessman used his job and his business trip to connect with another businessman and make a difference through his work. A second difference-making tool we have is our pain. Our pain. Now that may strike you as a little bit odd thing to say. How can our pain make a difference? But our pain is actually one of the most powerful tools we have in our arsenal. When I was going through my divorce, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was, be a good steward of your pain. Be a good steward of your pain. Don't waste it. Let God use it to mold you into the man he wants you to be. And ask God to don't let all that pain go to waste, but use it to make a difference in other people's lives. Joseph had a lot of pain in his life, but he was a good steward of it. Whether it was being a slave or rotting away in prison, through it all, Joseph trusted that God had a plan. And trusted that that plan was going to be good somehow. And for Joseph, all of that suffering turned out to be the, the crucible for soul making. You know, back in chapter 37, Joseph is basically a spoiled brat. I mean, that's pretty much what he is. I've going around bragging about how he had this dream that everyone was going to bow down to him. You know, yeah, yeah, Joseph, you're the man. We're all really impressed. But decades later, in this story, when now Joseph is prime minister of Egypt, and his brothers come to him to buy grain because they're starving to death, and when he could have used that as an opportunity to throw them into prison or kill them to get revenge for what they did to him, what does he do instead? He gives them grain. He doesn't even sell it to them. He gives it to them. And then he uses his power to get them a home and to ensure that they don't end up in poverty. Something has happened to Joseph. And that something was pain that God used to craft Joseph, to mold him into the man that God wanted him to be. And Joseph ends up being a very different person than he was back in chapter 37. And his pain made him more compassionate gave him compassion for other people in pain, and even his brothers, who tried to kill him. And so he wants to help <clears> them. <throat> Some of you maybe have heard of Dave Drovecki. He was an all-star pitcher for the San Francisco Giants until he lost an arm to cancer. For him, that touched off a long period of mourning that led him to ask a lot of questions, chief of which was, where is my worth? He just felt like if he couldn't fire those balls across home plate, then he had no value as a human being at all. Well, out of that pain and out of those questions, he began to realize that his value wasn't in achievements. It was being a man who God deeply loved and to whom God had given tools so that he could be a difference maker. And that's what he was created to do, to make a difference. So he formed a non-profit organization that, that helps people going through cancer and encourages them. He also writes a newsletter called The Encourager to help give people courage who are suffering all kinds of loss. And he has a powerful ability to encourage people. Because when he says God is good, people have to believe him. Because he's gone through so much suffering himself. So when he says God is good, people think, well, God must be. And he says that he has more joy now than he ever did as a baseball star because he's making a difference. He's doing what he was designed to do. He has been a good steward of his pain. How can you be a good steward of your pain? Work, pain. A third difference-making tool that God has given us is money. God tells us to give some of our money. He says 10% back to Him in order to be used to make a difference in His name. And this is a way that that He uses to build our trust and our faith in Him. Because as we give some of our stuff away and see Him provide, He becomes more real. But it's also a way that we can participate with God in what He's doing in the world. You know, when I hear the testimony about what the youth ministry has done for some of these, for some of these people, or when I hear a family who's been comforted by our congregational care department, or someone who's found God in this church, it feels good to me to know that what my wife and I give to this church is being used to make a difference, that we are part of what God is doing. It just feels good. It just gives me joy. A friend of mine named John Orpberg is a pastor in California And one day he and his wife were leaving church And his wife said, you know, the best part of church today Was putting the money in the offering plate And John said, you know, I preached at church today She said, yes, I know, the best part of church today Was putting the money in the offering plate And it can be Because when we do that, we are part of what God is doing in the world And that's exciting Work, paying, money, money And two more tools I just want to mention briefly are talents. Many of you, whether it's singing in the choir or repairing cars for auto angels, are making a difference with your talents. And, of course, our time. Many of the youth here are here because some of you taught Sunday school or were a youth leader. You gave your time, and that's made a difference. Thank you. Work, pain, money, time, talents. Those are just a few of the tools we have to make a difference. In other words, God has given all of us all that we need to be difference makers. And whether you're a graduating senior or a great-great-grandparent, it's by using what God has given us to partner with Him in redeeming the world that we find joy. It's how God becomes more real. It's how we know that we matter, that we count. So if God seems distant to you right now, and if you don't have joy, part of the reason might be because you're not using the things God has given you to make a difference. It's not always easy. In fact, it's very hard. It's hard for Joseph. But it is the deepest joy we can have as human beings. You know, one of the most exciting things, one of the most exciting things in all of life, one of the most joy-filled things in all of life is to watch Satan lose a battle and see God's kingdom come instead. I agree. Yes, (laughs) thank (laughs) you. It is just a hoot to watch that happen. Jesus said that Satan comes, he's a thief and he comes to steal, kill and destroy. And that's what he does. The work of Satan is to trap us in prisons of guilt and shame. Convince us that we're jerks and we've always been jerks and we're never going to stop being jerks. The work of Satan is to destroy our relationship with God. Get us to be afraid of him or think that he's out to steal, our, steal all the fun away or, or out to get us. The work of Satan is to destroy our relationships with each other and get us to envy each other and resent each other's successes or be afraid that if people really knew what was going on inside, they'd walk away. The work of the devil is to steal, kill, and destroy. What a jerk. Like that's the best thing you can say about Satan. He's just a jerk. We're right? yeah. going to get kind of Pentecostal here in a minute. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, more than enough, with plenty left over. And one of the biggest thrills in life is to participate with Jesus in bringing that life and bringing that joy to other people. And the way we do that is called stewardship. By taking some of what he's given us, talents, time, treasure, work, pain, and letting him use those things to undo the damage that Satan has done. In the Bible, when Jesus sends his disciples out to preach and to heal... When they come back, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning because of your ministry. When we use the tools that God has given us well, we get to see Satan fall like lightning and God's kingdom rise up to take his place. And this last month alone, just last one last month, I have seen Satan lose some major battles. Turns out May was a very bad month for old Redlegs here at First Press Bellevue. I saw a man who's been bound up by years of shame and guilt for sins he did years ago. Confess those sins first to a person on staff here in the church, then to some friends, and then to the people he'd hurt. And now he's set free from that guilt and shame. I talked to him just a little bit after it happened, and he just kept laughing. He had so much joy. This month, I saw a woman trapped in depression get prayed for by some people who had the gift of inner healing prayer. And she got a taste of God's joy. And now her smile is so big it almost eclipses her eyes. You can't see them. I've seen three different men in the last month acknowledge some serious character flaws in them and take significant action to address those flaws and get healed and get better. This month alone, I've seen several, not one, several marriages get set on the path to restoration after years of hurting each other and not trusting each other and even adultery. And in those stories, Satan fell like lightning and God's kingdom came to take its place. There are two reasons. And there are two reasons why Satan lost those battles. The first is Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit who said to the man who was trapped by shame and guilt, You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has canceled the debt of sin and guilt. Now go and sin no more. The Holy Spirit who said to the woman oppressed by depression, You are beautifully and wonderfully made in Christ, my daughter. Now know my joy. The Holy Spirit who bound up old wounds and old hurts and brought back together husbands and wives who'd been estranged from each other for years. Satan lost those battles because of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. But he also lost those battles because of faithful men and women like you, who were good stewards of what God had given them. Friends who gave time to listen and mostly to pray. So many of you have given money to help this church be a place where those stories can happen, and where we can have a staff to guide the process. Many of the people involved in these stories were being good stewards of their pain, asking God to use their pain to make them better instead of make them bitter. And for the people who are part of making these miracles happen, or for the Sunday school teacher who helps a kid discover Jesus, or for the person who talks to a coworker and, and helps out and makes a difference that way, how do you think those people feel? How do you think those people feel when they see the marriage healed, or the depressed find joy, or the sinner get freed? really, really good. Like they matter. Like life matters. Like God is on the move and they get to be a part of it. I got an email a while back from a mother who said that for several years she had resented the most important job she ever had, being a parent. She was a single mom which was not what she had signed up for and felt a lot of stress because of it and as a result was often real short-tempered with her kids. Well, she said one day she took her two preschool sons to go get shoes. She said, that was a lot of fun. Two small kids, tired, hungry, shoe shopping in the mall. And boy, howdy, sounds like a party to me, right? Sign me up. Well, as they were shopping, one of her sons suddenly said, Mom, look, those are like Pastor Dudley's shoes. I want those. (laughs) Just as an aside, this is why we keep encouraging you to teach Sunday school. Our children are in desperate trouble. They are looking to me for fashion tips. <laughs> you can save them. You can make a difference. Save them from fashion humiliation. Yes, yeah, take it to the cool people. She said in that moment, Jesus gave her a different perspective on her job. This is what she wrote. She said, if my child noticed something as insignificant as shoes of a man he sees once a week... What was he noticing in me? She said the picture wasn't pretty. So I told the boys how sorry I was that I'd been impatient. I told them I thought with lots of prayer and love and a new way to look at my job, I was going to be a better mom. Today we started the day with a calm, happy morning and with a prayer that Jesus would be with us during our struggles and bring us peacefully back together at the end of our day. We ended that day much happier and with much less struggle than what had become the norm. And as I put the boys to bed, we talked about how important it was to ask Jesus to be with us every day in every single way. This mom used the tools she had very well. She was a good steward of her work, which was to be a mother. And she used the pain of being a single mom to help shape her to become the woman that God is creating her to be. And she made the most of her time, even something as routine as shopping, she used it to learn and then to teach a spiritual lesson. And, hopefully, she was a good steward of her money and she did not buy the shoes that looked like Pastor Dudley's. One can only owe. She made a difference by using what God had given her well. And now she knows Jesus better. And her kids know Jesus better. And her relationship with them is healed and strengthened and whole and good and life-giving. Satan zipped this family eternity. The work of the devil is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus brings life. And he brings it abundantly, more than enough, with plenty left over. So what tools has God given you to participate with him in redeeming the world? Time, talent, work, pain, money. And this week, will you bring those things to the feet of Jesus and say, here they are, Lord. They're yours, not mine. What is your will? And then Jesus will say, this is great. Why don't we go give Satan a black eye and send him back to hell where he belongs? How can you use the tools that God has given you for him so that you too can know the joy of watching Satan fall like lightning and God's kingdom come in you, in your workplace, in your family, in your world? Lord Jesus, make it so, and we will be grateful people and give you all the glory. We pray this in your name.